Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us today. This is week 9 of our study of the book of James, and today we are going into chapter 3 of the book, and we will see what the Lord has to teach us today. But let's begin with prayer. Lord God, as we enter into your word this morning, please humble our hearts. Please open our minds and eliminate all distractions so that we can focus fully upon your word. There is such wisdom and such application in here. You've given us the roadmap for our life, how you have desired us to live as Christians. And help us, Lord, to understand that the tongue that you gave us is used for both blessing and cursing, and this should not be. That we should be people solely of blessing and of edifying each other. Please help us, Lord, to come to that realization on a very personal level, that we would not be people of hypocrisy, that we would be people of love and sacrifice, just like you are. Please bless the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's look at the text for today, which is going to be James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 through verse 12. The word says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now James takes us to this portion of his argument about how we are to live as godly people how we are to live as legitimate, wholehearted Christians. And he comes to one of the main sources of our problems, which is the source of all mankind's sins in many ways, and that is the tongue. 
Now, earlier in our reading, he declared that we should be people who practice true religion, right? And one of the signs of true religion was that we would bridle our tongue. In other words, we would be able to control our tongue. And James makes it very clear in the opening verses of this reading that if someone is able to tame their tongue, he declared that person a perfect man. That's a pretty big statement. So that really goes to show how great the sin and evil there is in our tongues. As Jesus once said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So really, if you want to put it like this, the mouth, or your tongue rather, is the gateway between your heart and the outside world, in which you show what you really feel and what is really motivating you. And so we need to be careful that not only do we not speak ill of people, that we do not sin against our Lord through verbal abuse of others, but really, when it comes down to the core issue, what is going on in your heart? Because whatever is going on in your heart is going to be what comes out. And so we need to be people that are holy, like God has called us to be, so that our speech is a perfect conduct. Is that easy to do? No, it is not. But for one, the Lord has commanded it, right? But also, that is the goal for us. And the way that we achieve that goal is by having a close relationship with God and practicing true religion. Which, remember what the true religion was, besides bridling the tongue? Was to help those that are in distress and to keep yourself unstained by the world. So by keeping yourself pure and unstained by the world, it is much easier to control your tongue by eliminating all the influences that will cause your tongue to be corrupted. Now, in verse 1, he says that not many of us should become teachers. Now, he's saying that because of how influential teachers are. I could very much be lying to you right now and influencing you in such a way that leads you away from God. I hope you're testing the scriptures with what I'm saying so that you can see if what I'm saying is true or not, of course. But there is a greater judgment on people like me people who are teaching the Bible. Because from my position of really power in some way, I'm influencing others. And by my influence, I'm either doing good or I'm doing evil. Therefore, that's why James says, those that are teachers need to be few in number, because if everybody's a teacher, then there's a lot of voices that are competing to be heard. And when you're trying to compete to be heard, sometimes the content of your message changes so that you get more attention. It's not always the loudest voice in the room that gets heard, but is saying the right things that either is of a godly nature or, as Paul puts it, tickles the ears, meaning that you're just saying whatever people want to hear, whether it's true or not and that we cannot be that way. Teachers need to be people of impeccable conduct and of utmost integrity. Because, like it says here, God holds people like me 
to a higher standard. He holds us accountable for the people that we are speaking to, so that the content of our message needs to be correct, so therefore we don't get in trouble. It's not about just getting in trouble and getting a spanking from God, so to speak, but God is angry when people are deceived. God says many times throughout Scripture that he hates liars, and he hates hypocrites. And if his teachers are being like that, then there are going to be consequences for those individuals. So there's something to consider there. Now, he says in verse 2 that we all stumble in many ways. Sometimes it feels like you're the only person dealing with something. But that's not true. The Bible has hopefully shown you throughout human history that we struggle with the exact same issues that humans have struggled with for thousands of years. Yours might look a little unique in circumstance, but the root problem is the same throughout history, and it's the result of sin. So we have to remember in those hard times that we are not alone in our struggles, and we need to work together to lift each other up and to support each other in those hard times. Now, he also says that if we do not stumble in what we say, in other words, we have perfect speech, then we are able to control the whole body as well. Now, we've seen through the writing of James that he's very good at illustrating word pictures, right? He's very good at making a point by using an illustration for our mind. And he uses two particular ones here that I think we can all understand. And that is the bit that goes in the horse's mouth and a rudder of a ship. Those things are not very big, right? You put a piece of metal with a leather strap on it into a horse's mouth. And with that, you're able to control the animal in whatever direction you want it to go. It's the same thing with a rudder, right? The rudder is a very small thing that is underneath the water. But whenever you control the direction that rudder is facing, it eventually moves the whole ship. So he uses this illustration to show us that the mouth, our tongue, is the exact same way. That what comes out of our mouth will direct us in some way. But then he goes into another darker word picture where he uses the illustration of the tongue being hellfire itself, that somehow the tongue is linked to hell itself. What is he reminding us of about the tongue's role in evil? He's reminding us here that it was the tongue that caused Adam and Eve to sin, because whatever was going on in their heart, they put to words And even in God's presence, they lied to him, and they blamed others. Think about when Eve ate that fruit. What did she do? She blamed the snake. She blamed Satan. What did Adam do? He blamed his wife. No one took responsibility for this. And Satan didn't even respond, or at least we don't have a response from him in Genesis. And without some sort of admission or any sort of response, Satan is giving us the impression that he doesn't care, or that he is pleased with what happened, and rightly so, he is. So can we see 
that the tongue is the conduit between what is going on inside us and what is coming out of us to where people understand what is going on inside of us. It's the gateway. It's the conduit. It is the portal to our very nature, our very souls. And so we have to learn how to control our tongues. Because if we don't control our tongues, then we will dishonor our Lord and we will ultimately embarrass ourselves. And worst of all, if you damage your witness as a Christian to show that you are not genuine, to show that you're hypocritical in nature, that you don't have evidence of a transformed life, how are you going to be able to bring anyone to Christ? How is the gospel going to be attractive to someone if you are not living and speaking accuracy as a Christian? How can you bring someone to Christ if what you are saying does not line up with how you're living? That's why James is calling out not only the nature of the tongue itself and how sinful we are and how we can't control ourselves, but then he also calls out how we use it hypocritically, right? So often we do that as Christians, and that should not be this way. He shows us in verse 7 that we have been able to tame all the animals in the animal kingdom, but no one has been able to tame the tongue. And it is not just evil, right? It is a restless evil. It never stops. It's never satisfied, is it? I know that for a fact, because in my own life, my sin is never satisfied. It's not like we can sin a certain amount And then we're like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to sin anymore. I've already done enough sinning. I'm good. Has that ever happened to you? It might happen for a very short period of time, but it is not going to last. Because the sin that is within our very bodies, that causes us to be dead in our trespasses, that causes us to be separated from God at birth, is full of deadly poison. And then James goes into the hypocritical things we do. We go to church, for example, or even in our own quiet time, we bless the Lord, and then we turn around and we curse men. You know exactly what I'm talking about, because you have probably done it, or you're currently doing it. You go to church, you love the Lord, you worship Him, but then there's that one person in the church that you just can't stand. That one person who has hurt you, or has said offensive things, or has not treated you well, and you're sitting over there feeling bitter, or stewing on it. Or even worse, you are the instigator. And so we're cursing men in our hearts by being bitter and angry. And he warns us not to do that, not only because it's wrong in itself, but the people that we are angry at are made in the image of God just like us. Every single human being on the face of this planet was made in God's image. So by cursing them, you are cursing the one who made them, as if he made a mistake. So be very careful with that, because that is not godly conduct. Godly conduct is above reproach. It is peaceable. It is loving. It is compassionate. 
That's why Paul wrote a whole chapter on what love is and what it looks like in 1 Corinthians 13, which I highly recommend you read after this if you need a comparison between what James is saying and what we should look like. So then in verse 10, he tells us that from our mouth come both blessing and cursing, and then he says, it should not be this way. It ought not to be this way. It is improper for it to be this way. This is not how Christians are supposed to act. We do not bless and curse from the same mouth. We are called to a much higher standard. Think of the Lord Jesus. He is our example that we have for all time how to be a perfect Christian. He was obedient to his Father. He spoke harshly when it came to calling out the hypocrisy of people who claim to be religious. But he never cursed them. He never wrote them off as being unsavable. He never once gave up on them. But instead, he spoke truth to them. He spoke compassion to them. He demonstrated his love for his people. He called them out for what they were, but he did not just write them off and condemn them. People are perfectly good at condemning themselves. We don't have to do that. We don't have to be people of judgment because we already have a judge in the courtroom, and that is God himself. So then he gives us a couple more illustrations as to how nonsensical these things look, and he relates it to the tongue. When you have a fountain, and when you think of a fountain, you think of either one in like a plaza somewhere, or even in a water fountain at a school. Can a water fountain come out with both fresh and bitter water? That would be ridiculous, right? How is it possible that it can be both fresh and bitter at the same time? It can't. Those things are not compatible, right? How can a fig tree produce olives? Or how can a grapevine produce figs? Those things sound ridiculous, right? How can salt water and fresh water come out of the same body of water? How can we take a bucket of water from the ocean and part of it is fresh and part of it is salty? That just isn't the case. So he's relating it back to us. Then why is your tongue like that? Why are you blessing people and cursing people at the same time? Why are you saying that you're a Christian and yet you speak such evil things? Your heart is full of such darkness and you call yourself a child of light. Do you see how this doesn't make any sense? So again, what he's trying to say is that the tongue is a fire, and a fire only does one thing, right? It burns, it consumes, it destroys. So that is the evil part of our tongue that we have to be keeping in check and controlling. You will not be able to control the tongue by your own power. The only way you can control your tongue is with God's help. And our great physician, the Lord God, has written a prescription for us on how to cure an evil tongue. And that is to practice true religion. To get rid of all the garbage we put into our heads. To eliminate all evil conduct. To 
love people as yourself. He gives us all the solutions, all the resources in his word and with the Holy Spirit that is within you. It is very possible to be people of good conduct, to be people who use their tongues properly, to praise their God, and to spread the gospel. How about you? Do you want to be like that? Do you want to be directed by something that is of good rather than evil? Or do you want to live like everyone else on earth who uses their tongue as they please, and it is nothing but evil and darkness? We are not to be this way. We have been called and separated from that world. We are called to bless. We are called to do good. We are called to be like Christ, to be conformed to his image. And what better way to conform to his image than to control our tongues, to show the world around us what we truly are, and that we have a transformed life that is so curious to the world around us. That is your entry point to the gospel. And that's what we have been called to do, to share the gospel with all nations. You have a role to play. We all do. Not everyone is meant to be a teacher, like James says at the beginning, but we are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to be witnesses in this world, witnesses of the wonders of Jesus Christ. So no one who has been saved by grace is excluded from this. We all have the same responsibilities to each other and to our Lord. So let me leave you with this last thought. If the tongue is indeed a rudder for a ship, it says in verse 4 that the rudder goes wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Who is piloting your ship, your body? Is it Jesus Christ, or is it you, or is it something else? Idols, influences, distractions. Who is piloting your life right now? Do you have any idea how to chart your own path? You don't. Let me just tell you straight up. But there is one who is able to pilot you properly, and that is Christ. Let Christ be the pilot that controls the rudder known as your tongue. Let him direct your life. He's the only one that can do it correctly. And the result of his being captain over your life will be far better than anything you could ever dream of on your own. It would make sense, then, how Jesus once said that he is the vine and we are the branches, and apart from him, we can do nothing. We can't do anything without Christ. And if that's the case, that means we need to have him in our lives. He needs to be directing us in order to accomplish anything good and holy and righteous. Only through Christ is this possible. So make the decision today to look at your life and to address the areas that you know, deep down inside, are a problem for you, and eliminate those things of darkness that are holding you back. 
I'm saying this as someone who has his own battles and has his own struggles and, quite frankly, does not always win those battles. But the call is the same for me as it is for you. And as a teacher, knowing full well that I will incur a stricter judgment, I exhort you, I beg you to consider this. Repent and return to the Lord. Eliminate grudges and seek reconciliation with other people. Be restored into the joy of your salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that the Spirit will convict you and show you the right way to go. And he will, if you ask him, with faith. And I think this is a good stopping point for today. I hope you have learned something, and I hope this was helpful for you in some way. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.